Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome into Believe in Miami Heat for another week. I am your host, Joey Levin, and I'm not your only host. I know you see the name. Well, you don't see the name on the, the name's coming on the art. It's coming. It's coming on the logo. It'll be there soon enough because if you've listened the last couple of weeks, there's been a friend of the show, a two-time NBA champion, a former Miami Heat. I'm going to call him legend. If you're a two-time NBA champion for a team, you're a, you're a Heat legend. Norris Cole <laughs> has been on the program two weeks in a row. And, it, and we said the first week it went so nice we had to do it twice. Well, last week went so well. I think we're doing this for good, at least for a little while. Welcome to my co-host, Norris Cole. What's going on, dude? What's good? What's good? How you doing, man? Man, I'm pumped because... Co-host has such a nice ring to it, doesn't it? You know what? I'm going to say this right now. I've been doing this show for a little bit, but now that you're here, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I'm your (laughs) co-host. I'm your (laughs) co-host. It's it's Norris Cole and Joey Levin, right? That's how this (laughs) podcast rolls now. And I'm excited not only because we're doing a Miami Heat podcast with a former two-time NBA champion with the Miami Heat. But, you know, even when I played, and believe me, I wasn't very good, but even when I played, I wasn't a point guard. We need somebody to run point. I got to have a point guard to run point on the show, right? Like, I can't just do this on my own. That's what I do. That's what I do organically. I run the point. So I think we got a nice little thing going here. Yeah, so I'm excited. I think the people will be excited. This is going to be a good thing. Uh, Not There's some other – there are other Heat podcasts out there. Don't get me wrong. But there are no other Heat podcasts with the – hosted by a two-time NBA champion, former Miami Heat player, Norris Cole. So let's do this. Let's go. I'm pumped. Let's get right through it. And here's the thing. That's about as excited as we might get on this podcast. Because I think both (laughs) of us, (laughs) at least this week, because I think at the moment, both of us are doing much better. I'll tell you this. I know out there in Lyon, winners of five of the last six, your squad right now doing a little bit better than our heat, right? You guys are winning some. I, I saw it. I looked at the schedule. I check, I'm checking <laughs> you guys out. I'm checking you guys out, getting things rolling, winning five of the last six in the Euro League. Not so for Miami. That uh, that, that game last night, uh, we're recording this on, on Tuesday, heat lose to the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, without Paul George. Oh, not great. It's, it's rough for the nation. It's rough for Heat Nation right now. But you know what? Things will get better. But we got to talk about what the issues are first. Yeah, that's, what we, that's, what, that's what we're here for today. And, absolutely, and, and I'll tell you what. And that's why I was also excited to get on this and do this episode today with Norris. Because now this being our third episode together, this is our third show together. I realize Norris is, Norris is an optimist. Norris sees the glass half full. Whereas a lot of fans and a lot of people talking about this thing, they see it as half empty. So I think my guy is going to give us a little bit of the glass half full, at least in how we can get we over the hump be. here. And at least in that's how, how can... you become a champion. You can't, you can't, you can't linger on the negative. That's how, that's how you become champion. Heat culture. We bring in the real heat. Other, other heat podcasts are going to tell you they know about heat culture, but they don't know about heat culture. Like this podcast now knows about heat culture. I'm telling you, I lived it, still live it. There we go. <laughs> Um, but before we, so we're going to, obviously we got to talk about the heat have played three games since last week. They're halfway through this seven game road trip. 
we got to get into everything. We're going to get into last night's game. We're going to get into this. They're one and two on this road trip. But first, I talk about it every week. So if you've been listening to this regularly, you know that we love betonline.ag on this show. And even though football might be over, NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. And I, I think I mentioned this last week too. I don't know about you, North. I, I, don't even, I don't even understand how you bet on reality TV or on award shows, but they have that too. So if that's your thing, you want to bet on who's going to win the bachelor or whatever it is. Hey, go, go. To, I might throw, you know what? I haven't been winning. Honestly, I'm not going to give any picks. Because I haven't been winning a lot of money gambling. So maybe I'm going to go and bet online and bet on some award shows or some. Well, or that's why I'm not into gambling. <laughs> I like to keep my money. <laughs> but you know what? For, for the listeners, there's no better place to go win some money than betonline.ag. They have hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine, obviously, because you can bet on reality TV. And, of course, there's a 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so... Look, last week we, we talked about they're on a seven-game West Coast road trip. We talked about we're going to learn a lot about this team on this trip. Uh, they start off the trip with a win against the beat-up Rockets team, but a win's a win on the road. It's a win. We, they, the Heat lose to Utah. No shame in that. They've won 18 of 19 or maybe 19 of 20 right now. Um, I'm starting to turn the corner on Utah, even though I wasn't totally bought in. I, I, after watching them the last couple of weeks, I'm still, not, I'm still not sold for the postseason run. You know, they, they're having a great. I get, I get Milwaukee Buck vibes from them. I, well, you know what? I, I said this about them on another show. I think after watching them a few times now, they're just good. And well, we're also going to discuss Anthony Davis way later in the show because that changes the whole dynamic of the league. Oh, uh, you're exactly right. But you're but right. if it, but if the Lakers are healthy, I think Utah is good enough to lose to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> Which is, hey, there's no over shame in that. Over the Clippers, over Denver. I'm not saying it's a lock that they get there. They're good okay. enough to they're good enough to get yeah. there and lose. Right? Denver did it. Denver did yeah. it. You know? Yeah. Miami did it. So hey, I like <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but no, I I haven't turned the corner on them being a championship team, not at all. But they do have an interesting mix that 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 I think they are making the progression that we maybe hope that the heat would kind of make this year. So tearing it back around to the heat. So then you have two the Monday night game against the Clippers. I think everyone's like, all right, this is, this is a win. I mean, we have got to come out. Did no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, no Pat Beverly. Uh, this is a, a must win. Got to get it. Got to have it. And they just did not look good. It was not, it was not a good, it was, it's, they haven't looked great over this stretch, even, in the Houston game, they didn't look great, but this was, this was a rough one. So one and two, you know, sort of an inexcusable loss. Where's your head at on this after these three games since last week? Well, I can't deny it's, it's definitely a struggle. It's definitely a struggle to watch. The one thing about this Clippers game though, they finally are shooting the ball well from two in this game, but it was horrendous from three. You know, mm -hmm. eight for 36 from three in this Clippers game. And so, you know, the one game that they won that we talked about, they shot a bad percentage from two and from three. It's just that they made plays down the stretch. But I think one of the things that has happened 
the younger players, they're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, even Bam out of Bayou, you know, he's still a young player, even though he's talented. There's no more sneaking up on teams. You know, your name is circled, you know, on the scouting report. You know, it's not just Jimmy Butler. And so I think these guys are having to adjust. And I think um, even Hero had to miss a game because of a false test. But mm-hmm. even even when he was playing, you know, when teams focus, have a focus on you, have a whole year of film of watching you, it's a little bit different. And I think that they're going through that right now. And um, they can't stop, though, because they're still in position to still, you know, get in the playoffs. But the offense right now is, is, is just not looking that great because the defense is not terrible, even though against the Clippers it kind of got away when they gave up 125. But other than that, the defense hasn't been terrible, but the offense is just not the same. You know, remember Duncan yeah. Robinson lighting it up last season. Yes. Yeah. Well, Tyler Hero was, you know, the none was they they were tearing the league up last season. But this year, this year, there's no sneaking up on defenses. Yeah. Well, you said two things there that are really interesting to me. One is that the circle guys being circled on the scattering report. It that is something that every time the Heat played poorly, other than last night, because last night it was a defense. It was more of a defensive thing than even though you you hit the nail on the head. Everyone's talking about how they scored points but they went eight of 36 from three. That's brutal. I mean, that's brutal for a team that sort of lives and dies by the three right now, the way they play with the drive and kick. But um, I hear this a lot from Spo and from Bam and Jimmy. It just guys in general, how they're kind of saying like, we got to get Duncan going. Teams know how to guard him now. Teams have him scouted. We got to get Duncan going. I almost feel like we've gotten to the point where there's, they're putting a little too much of an emphasis on trying to get Duncan going and let it, instead of just allowing him to get going within the flow of the offense, like don't force it. He, he went three of 11 last in the lake, in the Clippers team. That's not good. I mean, he's not shooting the ball well. And I think it's may, it might be because they're trying so hard to get him involved. He's the fifth, maybe sixth best player on the team, elite shooter, but that's right. not, you, you don't run your offense to try to get Duncan Robinson going. You get your you get Bam, Jimmy, Tyler going, and he helps them by spacing the floor, and then he'll find his rhythm eventually. He's he's good enough. But sort I of hear, like the Cal Corver, sort of like the Cal Corver effect. All, all those JJ, even like look, JJ when, J, nobody's run offense for JJ Redick since he was at Duke, but right. the dude has one of the best three point shooters we've ever seen because he just fits in any offense. But you don't have to. It's just almost like I don't know if I've seen this where it's like always like we got to get Duncan going. He'll get going, but just keep playing, run the offense the way you normally run it, right? Don't force getting Duncan Robinson going. Yeah, I, I I do agree with that. I do agree with that because what that does is it takes away, it takes away from like your Jimmy Butler's aggressiveness, your your Tyler Hero's aggressiveness, um, even your Gordon Dragic aggressiveness. You need those guys to be playing downhill, mm-hmm. playing with force. And, you know, right now, like you said, they're kind of over, overdoing it, looking for him. And yeah. as a shooter, the shooters that I've had experience playing with, they come into the game with rhythm. They don't need shots for rhythm. Their, their pregame preparation, their practice preparation keeps them in rhythm. So a Mike Miller, when he gets in the game, he's automatically ready to shoot. James Jones, who I played with, 
automatically ready to shoot. Ray Allen, when I, he was the he was part of that bench mob, you know, when I played and we won the championship, when we came in the game, he was already ready to shoot. And so of course, yeah. we didn't have to force too many, you know, force too much offense towards them. It's just the ball found them organically through other guys playing downhill. And when you help, you know, they're wide open and they're ready to shoot. Same thing with Kyle Corver. When he comes in the game, he's ready to shoot. And I think kind of Duncan has to kind of has to take that attitude approach. Whereas I don't need to shoot for volume. I just yeah. need to always be ready. And I think that will allow Jimmy Butler to play downhill. I think that will allow Kendrick Nunn to play more downhill. And I think their offense could possibly get back on track that way. Yeah. And I also, I, I do think you tell me what you think. Cause it, you've, I mean, you've done it at the, at that, at that level. Shooters can sometimes be almost like kickers in the NFL. Like if you Very keep ta- if you keep talking about how a shooter is struggling, he's going to hear it and then feel the pressure to get going instead of just finding his rhythm organically within the game. Like you kind of said, like every time we talk about Duncan Robinson, every time you publicly go out in the media as Eric Spolster or Jimmy Butler and say, well, now Duncan circled on the scouting report teams know how to guard Duncan Robinson. But Duncan Robinson is hearing that. And now Duncan Robinson feels pressure to get going. And like you said, forcing it instead of just doing what he always did last year, which was play within the flow of the offense, play in the dribble handoffs with Bam, you know, space to the corner, get get to his spots. It's like they're running plays for him more often than I would expect for, again, probably your f- fourth option on, on the starting line, maybe even fifth at times. Yeah, well – they they're they're going with what worked last season and they're not going to easily be persuaded to change like the heat are not a wishy-washy organization they don't they're not trendy they don't go whatever the trend is if they find something that worked in the past they're going to do it until it's totally proven that it doesn't work Mm -hmm. and so even though they're struggling right now they still have unbelievable faith obviously in duncan and his shooting ability and so, you know, maybe they feel like if they all of a sudden went away from that, maybe that might affect him mentally as a young player. But mm-hmm. eventually, you know, you have, you're going to have to make the adjustments. You know, you're going to have to say, listen, Jimmy, we need you to play more downhill and, and, and be the aggressive scorer that we know you can be. And, and the guys who are struggling, they'll come along with you later. Because you can't get too far behind. This is not the same Eastern Conference as as before. So, you know, you don't want to get too far behind. And I think Duncan Robinson is enough of a professional. He's going to get it going. You know, he's he's an established shooter. He's not a a streaky shooter. He's a true sniper. And so I believe that I believe that he'll get going. You know, snipers go through those. You know, they go through those phases where they're off. But he's a true shooter. So. I don't believe they have to overcompensate for him. Sure. Uh, now, I, I agree with that. Now, I will say this, and we <laughs> talked about this last week, and I know we, I had to clarify, and I said, I don't, I'm not killing the guy and this and that, right? But if they – if I'll, I'll, actually, before I get to the other shooters, right, because it can't mm-hmm. just be Duncan. Other guys have to make shots too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If there is a positive to take away offensively from the Clippers game, it is that in spite of them going eight of 36 from three, they scored 118 points. And the three guys that have to score, Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler Hero, 
combined for 84 points. So that's a, that's you a know, very good. And if that's what's happening, like I talked about this with you last week and the week before, how I get frustrated with Jimmy because he's so passive. Now, if these guys who know that they're the guys, Tyler Hero, Jimmy, and Bam, they're the guys who got a score for this team to be successful. If the other guys see, I think now it's a thing of like, okay, now the shooters who are struggling see that even if we struggle, our, our top dogs got us. So right. there's not as much pressure for us to always be six of seven from three or seven of eight from three. So I think if there is a positive offensively to take away from that game, it's that Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler asserted themselves as scorers when everybody else, what they've been doing isn't working. And that should be the norm. Hmm. This should be the norm. Um, no, I'm not saying Jimmy has to go out there and score 30, 10, and 10 every game. No. <laughs> even though he's even though he's proving he do that for stretches. Yeah, that's but, his second trip. I think that's his second triple-double on this road trip. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's important, the aggressiveness. You know, the 19 hmm. shot attempts, the 15 shot attempts for Bam the 20 shot attempts for Tyler Hero. You know, I think it's important consistently that those three bring their aggressiveness because when those three are aggressive, it's contagious to the rest of the team. Yep. And that's yeah. how, and that's normally how a team works. You have your three top dogs, they get you going and everybody else get going. And then on nights where everybody else don't get going, they take it up to another level. And I believe that, I believe this is something that we need to see more often. Jimmy, Bam, and, um, Tyler be more aggressively offensively. Yeah, they could be a three-headed monster. They really can. Like Bam is Bam's so talented. Jimmy, literally, when he is aggressive and goes downhill, like you said, he's not stoppable. Like he gets to the line or he can score at the rim. And then Tyler, he's young and he's he's up and down, but we've seen what he can do talent-wise. He's got he's got the goods. They could really be. And then once Goran Dragic comes back, obviously that brings another you know, bringing him off the bench as a six man, that brings another scoring punch and a guy who's not afraid to get his own. I will say now I'll go back to what I was going to say before, which is it, <laughs> from, from this, from this three point shooting problem. Be nice. Be nice. But, now but no, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you facts. I'm just going to give you facts. Numbers don't facts. On this road trip, since we last spoke, mm-hmm. Kelly Olenek and Andre Iguodala are a combined two of 19 from three in these three games. Kelly Olenek is 0 of 8 in the last two games. Mm. Andre Iguodala hasn't made a 3 since February 5th. <laughs> He's 0 mm. for 10 since February 5th. That's rough. It's never going to – that's never going to work. That is never, never well, going to work. Well, the one thing about Andre Iguodala, though, you know he's a big time – he's a gamer. Okay. He's a championship – he has championship pedigree. So, it's not his job to be in there making a bunch of threes, to be honest. I no, mean, he has to be, he has to be able to make timely threes, and, and and he's proven that in the biggest moments, he can do that, especially postseason. But now, you know, not, that's not letting him off the hook. But you just have to know his reputation. He's a solidified championship player. Now Kelly, on the other hand, you know he you know he's definitely struggling, but he got to get it going, man. The team needs him. You know, <laughs> the, the NBA right now, the four man is. The four man, the stretch four is like one of the most important things every team has. Right. Every team is built around their point guard and the stretch four man nowadays. If you don't have a stretch four man in this league, it's very, very tough to win. And so, yeah. you know, that dynamic has to get better. Yeah. And, and I'm not counting on Andre to be a shooter. 
Right. But as of the way the roster is currently constructed, he's the backup four because Mo Harkless really hasn't brought what we hoped Mo Harkless would bring to when the Heat brought him in. Right. So, well, I think he's I think he's adjusting to Heat culture. Mo. Yeah, I think they're adjusting him to Heat. I, I think that they makes didn't, sense. I, it's it's hard for them to just bring somebody in that's not a star and put sure. them over players that have been there and earned their reps. I just that's just the way that Heat do things. Right. Now so they're acting to the culture. Right. Now I'm just saying that because later on we're gonna we always talk about we've talked now every week about the rumor mill and who's out there and what teams are saying. So I bring that up because there's. I'm going to bring up some guys later in the show. I'm going to see what you think about them. But I bring that up because the Kelly Olynyk thing, I still, I am not saying that Kelly Olynyk has to go. Mm-hmm. I'm saying what I said last week, which is this just, it still kind of confirms as a starter. I don't know. It's sustainable as him starting as your stretch four. I think you, you probably need an upgrade there to play next with the Bam. Um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, the Heat are in a weird situation. Now, I, I do agree with you that if Jimmy and Tyler and Bam continue to play the way they're playing, the offense will find its rhythm because the shooters will get more comfortable knowing that their top dogs are consistently looking to score. Defensively, the, 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 the issues that they've had this year, which is really has been three-point defense, uh, it was glaring against the Clippers and more more specifically, they're just their ability to guard and stay in front of guys in the perimeter. Lou Williams just kind of went wherever he wanted in that game. And because of it, guys were open for threes all night. Um, the Heat's three-point defense is, I mean, it's near the bottom of the league right now, which is uncharacteristic. Like I went back and looked at last season through 27 games. Um, last year, opponent three-point percentage at this point last year, they were second. And right now they're 17th. That's, that's a problem. And there's two things that I, I could probably point to, and I'd, like, and I'd be interested to see what you think. One is these, some of these guys just can't guard the perimeter, right? Like Duncan can't guard the perimeter. Tyler's just not a great perimeter defender. But also maybe the switching, maybe they need to go away from the switching. They switch a lot and it ends up, I think it ends up hurting them because of the multiple. I mean, you know, when, when you switch and then switch, switch again, and you have to have multiple efforts on a possession, it kind of, instead of having that one effort to guard your man, like for example, on, on pin downs, if they just trail instead of switching or in pick and rolls, if they get over instead of switching, maybe there won't be as many mismatches. Maybe Lou Williams, not just driving by people all night. I, I don't know, but, I think something's got to change schematically if they're if they're not going to change the roster just yet. Defensively, something probably needs to change, right? Normally, switching is what works when you have a team of that size out there. You know, the Heat are not. You know, they have lengthy, lengthy guys out there. But like you said, you know, Tyler is not really a defender. Duncan is definitely not a defender, and Nunn is not really known for his defense, even though he competes. And when Dragic's out there, he's Dragic is not. Yeah, Dragic is not a defender either. So yeah, there's, they're going to have to make the adjustment of balancing offense and defense because you have to have scoring out there on the court. 
but you also have to be able to stop somebody in this league, especially, like I said, in this more talented Eastern Conference. We already know what the West is, but the Eastern Conference, the guards, just think about the guard play in the Eastern Conference now, the perimeter play. Yeah. It's it's up a level. It's up a notch this season. It's crazy. And so, yeah. and so you definitely have to be able to defend. And so, you know, if guys are not making shots, you know, it might have to be, you know, you may have to sit down and go a different direction sometimes, yeah. you know, but I think that's a, that's a balancing act that, you know, that's why Spo get paid the big bucks, you know, <laughs> to, <laughs> For sure. to make those decisions because you show trust in a player by sticking with them, even though they're struggling and you show trust in your system and your way of doing things by sticking, sticking with it during the tough times. And so that's, you know, that's what's, what's going on right now. You know, Spo's not going to go away from his guys. He's not going to go away from what he, what he sees has worked in the past until he has to. And so I think, you know, when you, when you can win a game shooting 37%, like they did the other day and they defended well, because the other team shot, I think 36%. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it's hard to go away from that. Cause you like, Oh, well maybe it can work. Maybe it just, maybe it's just on us to, you know, give the effort, you know? And so that's just the balancing act that he'll have to make. But, the roster is definitely not made up of great defenders. No, you, you have you have who you have Jimmy, you have Bam, you have um, Andre Iga Godala, yeah, and then you have Avery Bradley, who's still you know that's getting, killing them. That's killing yeah. them. Not have, I, I, like bringing in Mo and Avery Bradley, and Avery basically never playing because he's hurt in the COVID right. stuff, and then Mo just not really settling in yet. That, that's really messed. That's, that's up, really that's tough. Really, yeah. Because Which is those guys could heat. play at a higher level. If those yeah. guys were healthy and could play at a higher level, it would put less pressure on Duncan and Tyler to have to defend. Right. You know, right. um, it, it's interesting, like the way you were saying that, because I do, I even wrote this like in my notes when I was getting ready, like the heater in this impossible position that I don't even think that I've, that I can recall a team being in. Right. So you last year at this time, I mean, they were top 10 in the league in offensive and defensive rating. They were third in the league in three-point shooting. They were, like I said, second in opponent three-point percentage. I mean, they were doing everything. Like last year at this point, they were doing everything sort of right. And everything was clicking. And the East was wide open, as it is this year. So Pat Riley said at a certain point, right, I'm going to go make a move. I'm going to go get Jay Crowder, and I'm going to go get a good dollar because I think we can win with this team. Now, at the same point this year, after going to the finals, the team does just doesn't look right. But like we keep saying, we've seen them do it before. They went to the finals last year. So, but they were a five. It's, it's just this weird impossible. I feel like it's an impossible. Obviously, it's a Riley thing, but it's an impossible. I don't really recall a scenario where it's like a team that wasn't supposed to get to the finals got to the finals comes back with basically the same team. Now they're struggling. Now we have to make a decision. Is this the right roster? Like, are these the right players? Is this the right team to get back to that spot? Because from a fan standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, I think the expectation is not just make the playoffs. It's make the playoffs and be competitive in the playoffs. Well, that's always the goal. In Miami, is always to be competitive of in the playoffs. Course. Not just make, but yeah, last year was special circumstances. I think I don't want to call it fool's gold, but 
last year was perfectly built for a Miami Heat organization team. When you have to go into a bubble, you have to be outside your comfort zone. All you have is to rely on each other. There's no family there, no friends there. It's just you and the team, like a almost like in a bunker together. Mm-hmm. That's Miami Heat culture to the fullest. So that's why they had an advantage in the bubble. It's not like that anymore. Now it was wide open. And so now, you know, teams are in their element. Players are in their element. They're getting to go home every day from other teams I'm talking about. Right. You know, so they're more comfortable. So their level of play is better. Uh, and I believe that's that's one thing about what happened last year was the perfect storm for the Heat. That bubble was perfect for them to be able to just focus and just play and stay together. And like I said, because of the structure of the Heat, the Heat way, mm-hmm. it gave them a it gave them a distinct advantage in the in a setting like the bubble. And I think that advantage is not as high at this point by there not being a bubble. And that'll be something that you know Pat and the staff will have to look at and then possibly make a few adjustments because you can't you know one thing you can't do is keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results we all know what that definition is and so it's just a matter of timing when they're if they're going to pull the trigger it's a matter of when right because trade deadline when is the trade deadline it's not i don't even know still, this this uh, still have it, time. It, there's time um yeah, 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 i don't even know what i don't know this year's so all over the place i don't know if there's an extended thing yeah it's just weird yeah they have they have time and if and if there's not a drastic trade that's going to make them change drastically they might not make the trade like why just make a trade to make a trade if i can't get exactly what i want that's going to help the team i might as well stick with what we have yeah and i think it's also a unique situation because you have jimmy who's in who's still obviously playing at an all-nba level but he's what 30 30 or 31 and then you have tyler and bam who are like 21 and 22 or 23. So it's like you want to be as good. You want to put yourself in a position to be as competitive as possible while you have this peak Jimmy Butler, but you also don't want to like mess up what you have in your potential. Obviously Bam's not going anywhere, but I think, I think if you're going to make a move like a substantial move, the only players that are probably off the table would be Bam and, and Jimmy. But I think you also have to weigh that with how much yeah. do you look at the future of this team and say, oh, we have something good for the future, but we also want to win with Jimmy. It's like a, it, it's a, such a weird, it's such a, it, it, a very interesting situation. I mean, it's good for the future for sure. But Absolutely. For, for the right now, it's a very, I mean, that's again, that's why Pat gets paid the big bucks because that's what he does. Absolutely. Um, and well, a, a, a substantial trade, yeah, Jimmy and Bam are off limits for sure. But depending on what trade it is, maybe, you know, maybe Tyler might be off limits too, unless it's for like a max level player, because right. Tyler is sure. a wonderful young player. He's one of the Absolutely. best young players in the league. And so. Right. Yeah. So I think it it's like, unless better, it's, it's only if it's, if it's a player that you want Tyler to become, right? Like yeah. if, if it's a guy who you're like, we look at this guy and we go, well, if he ever becomes that guy, then, then he's going to be pretty good. And we can go get him for that guy. Then that's, that's the move. Right. Exactly. Or if he's like, oh, he's or a guy who may be a little better than him, mm-hmm. and you like he can last at that level for some years to come and not not decrease, then you make the move because you know Tyler's still going up. Right. He's he's still ascending. He's not a finished product. At least I don't think he is. I still think he can get better in this league. Yeah. No, I would not absolutely. No, he's far from yeah, because it's 
for me right now with him, a lot of it is consistency. I mean, he's exactly. shown the skill Listen, level. Every young player, every young right. player struggles with that. Yeah. And, and hey, look, and worst comes to worst, I mean, let's just – I mean, we, let's get some more Max Struess out there. I mean, that guy – I mean, when he gets his minutes, that guy, I mean, he's balling in. He's surprisingly athletic. Like, he's made some athletic plays over these last few games. Like, wow, Max Schroes, he makes – I'm not going to say he makes Duncan more expendable, but hey, does he make Duncan more expendable? I mean, I mean, it's, it's – I mean, like, the way he – I'm not saying – hey, He's saying, just taking advantage of his minutes. That's good. He, he's but he's playing good, man. He's, they've needed him. They've needed him in those games. I mean, he played yeah. really good against – He Houston. has to keep doing this, though, before I'm ready to – say that yeah you know of course of course (laughs) um now okay so there are some guys there are some names since the last time we spoke that are out there in the war in the nba world Mm -hmm. that i'm going to throw out there see what you're in let me see if we can peak your interest level a little bit okay nope but first but first want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor we got a new sponsor it's ebay ebay it's a eBay's eBay's uh, sneaker marketplace. Okay, and whether it's rare dead stocks or the re- latest release, you can find the exact shoe you're looking for on eBay. As the original, they're the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, if you sell sneakers, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers that are $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So for the listeners of this podcast, go to ebay.com slash sneakers today eBay, it's the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. All right, so the first guy I want to bring up to you is a guy we actually mentioned on the show last week, but we didn't mention him in potential trades because I don't think the rumors were out there that he was available, but he since has become available, supposedly, and that's one John Collins in Atlanta. A team... A team that has lost seven of their last eight, a team that uh, came into the season with a lot of hype, a lot of expectation, a team that I don't think really knows what their identity is and what their future is because I've watched a lot of games. And in my opinion, the future of that team is DeAndre Hunter. I think in a lot of people's opinion, it's Trey Young. Um, More like uh, DeAndre Hunter has been out for eight games. They're one in seven since he's gone out. That's it. They're yeah. they, they were a top. Let me tell you something. They were a top ten defense since he's been out. They have the twenty seventh ranked defense in the NBA. DeAndre Hunter's a stud. DeAndre Hunter's underrated. Watch out for him. Okay, but John Collins is the guy that all year, earlier in the year, there was like the report came out that him and Trey Young got got into it in a film session, um, and. Now, last week, there was rumors that maybe he's available. Now they're saying they want a lottery-level pick for John Collins. That's the rumor. But let me pose this to you. Tyler Hero is a lottery-level pick. Is John Collins the kind of player you would potentially – because I think for me, I would if, if it could get away with that, I think I might do it. John Collins, I, I 
really like John Collins. And I think next to Bam, Jimmy, that's Jimmy, John Collins, and Bam, that's a it's tough a great team. Sport. Yeah. I like that. I like that name. That name is very interesting. And he's a heat type of player. Yeah. Athletic, nasty, got some nastiness with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I like I like I like the sound of that. That could be and surprisingly efficient. Like he's one of the more efficient bit stretch fours. Like he shoots well from three, shoots well from the field. Um, he's skilled, like he's more skilled than I think people realize because they know him as a freak athlete, which he absolutely is. Um, I, I, I mean, I would love it. I, I don't know that the heat would do it or I don't know if Atl- I wonder if Atlanta would, I mean, I don't know. They say they want a lottery pick, but they have a lot of wings. So I don't know. What does Atlanta need another lottery pick for? They have, they've drafted in the lottery for the last six years and they, they have a lot of good, like a lot of good young players. I don't know why they don't start getting veterans to go with those young guys. That, well, they that tried. Team. They've had some issues this year. Like they got Gallo, and he looks like he can barely move. They got Rondo; he's been hurt. They, yeah. they they got Bogdanovich, not the one on the Jazz, the other Bogdanovich, um, who's a little younger, but um, he's he broke his kneecap or something. Like they've been yeah. they've been hit with injuries. Yeah, that's rough. That is rough. That's but John Collins rough. doesn't seem like the guy. Like he doesn't seem like the problem, at least from my from that. I don't know. Obviously, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. Right, right, um, right. And and if him and Trey don't get along and they see Trey as the future, then hey, I guess John Collins has got to go. But yeah, I don't understand that. I'm not sure what they were arguing about, but the NBA has become a place now where it's like if you hold the star player accountable in front of somebody, that seems like that's a problem. I know. And that's not okay. That's not okay because the teams that have winning cultures and historically great players, they hold other people accountable. But when you hold them accountable, they're able to take it. Yep. For the most part, unless it's in a disrespectful manner. And I believe a young star a young star definitely has to be able to take accountability from his teammates because you're young too. Just because yeah. you had one or two good years, that don't mean you're above reproach. And so I'm not sure if that's why, but normally when you hear situations like that, that's normally what's happening. I'll tell you this. Last year, I interviewed both of these guys at all-star or maybe it was the year before. Cause last year there was everything I canceled. Um, and it was Trey's rookie year. So it was Trey's rookie. So it was two years ago. It was Trey's rookie year. And I think it was John's either second or third year. Um, and I got a vibe from John that he was very smart, very hardworking and loved that team. Like loved what the direction was. Mm-hmm. And I got a vibe from Trey that he was really feeling himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was really feeling the hype of being a top five pick. Um coming in to be the savior of the franchise and all that stuff. Uh, that is not me speculating. That's just the vibe I got from the two of them at the time. This is two years ago, but who knows? Like the part of the rumor was that people were getting a little frustrated with the way Trey was playing, which is he takes a lot of those Steph Curry, Dame Lillard threes, and he does not make many of them. Um, and he dribbles a lot. His three point percentage, he only shoots like 35, 36% from three. You can't be shooting 30 footers if that's your, if you're shooting 36% from three, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So maybe guys are a little frustrated with the way he plays. I, I don't know, but I see John Collins as like the up, the I upside think, is incredible. 
What's that? They have a they have a right to feel that type of way. Sure. Because when you when you're shooting like that and you're a liability on defense, and they have to cover for your mistakes, they have a right to do that. Especially when you're not. It's not like he's doing those plays, scoring all those points, and doing all that, and it's contributing to them winning. So exactly. they can they can you know complain a little bit, and he has to just take accountability and play better, which he's very capable of because yeah. he is a young star. He is a young star. He is. I I think the one thing with this um, is someone made a really good point to me the other day about this is there's probably some pressure within that Hawks organization to make it work around Trey Young because they traded Luka Doncic for Trey Young. Like, remember in that draft, they had a shot to take Luka and they traded that pick for Trey and took, and Luka went to Dallas. So they're always going to be linked. So anything Trey does, it's going to be, well, he didn't live up to Luka. And we already know what Luka is, right? So I think right. there probably is some pressure in that organization. Like, if this guy doesn't work with Trey, then we're going to, then we move on, which I, I don't know that that works, but like a non-defensive kind of small point guard, you know. I honestly think John Collins would be a great. I would love it. Oh my god! I hope the Heat. I hope they've called to at least see what the deal is, because he he would be a great addition. And the other two guys, not as interesting, but they're out there, so we might as well talk about them. Uh, one is Andre Drummond, who we will also talk a little bit more about in a few minutes for another reason. But uh, basically, the Cavs have made it known that they're going to trade Andre Drummond. He's not playing anymore until he gets traded. The other one is Blake Griffin, uh, and they seem to have made a mutual agreement that he will not play until they figure out his future. There's been reports that Blake won't get traded. He's getting bought out. He has two years left. He's making like $37 million a year over the next two years. So I don't think anybody even has the money to trade for a guy who's at his, at this point, Drummond will probably get traded. They've said they were not going to buy him out. I think for the heat Drummond makes no sense, but if Blake Griffin gets bought out, I would inquire if you can get him on the vet minimum. I think he has more in the tank than we realize. I think he's sort of just, you know, given up a little bit on Detroit. Like, I just don't, I don't think he wants to be there anymore. So but I saw him playing preseason. I still think he's got a little bit left in the tank. And if he goes somewhere where he's not, you understand, like, you know, this money puts more pressure on success. So a $37 million Blake Griffin, no, you don't want it. But if he gets bought out and you can bring in a veteran with that skill set who can play next to Bam for the vet minimum, that guy, that's a guy who can help you win a championship. That's true. And, uh, and I'm, I'm interested to see how much Blake has left in the tank. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested. And I believe that on a team like Miami, where he wouldn't be asked to do anything spectacular, he could be that, that missing because he can shoot this. He, he, he can be a, a, a decent three point shooter. You know, he can make yep. the set spot up three. Um, even though he's not playing above the rim as much anymore, he can still contribute to the rebounding mm-hmm. to that front line, you know, good so, passer, good ball handler. Absolutely. He can yep. play that. Yeah, he can definitely, you know, do those dribble handoffs that the Heat love to do and roll. Yep. So I, I think I think that for like you said, for the for the buyout. Yeah, for the buyout minimum, market. Yeah, yeah, for the buyout market, I believe that could be an interesting piece. The, the problem with that becomes is there's a lot of teams probably thinking the same thing, particularly one team up there in New York. 
that has that pretty much gutted their depth. Brooklyn. Um, yeah. Guy, he loves his stand-up comedy. He, Brooklyn. What, I'm about to say, what does he want to do? That would be what what does Blake want to do? Well, of course, yeah. yeah. Living in, I'm sure he's been in Detroit. He was in Miami. I'm sure he probably wants to get back somewhere warm unless he wants to, you Good know, point. continue his comedy. And, well, that's, well, I, but you could do that anywhere. You could do comedy in Miami. I mean, listen, when you're making $37 million, you can figure out where to do comedy. You build your own comedy club and make $37 right. million. Like, you Go on, go on Twitch and do comedy for people on there. Uh, but I will say, this is another guy. That same year that I interviewed John and Trey, I talked with Blake, and th- he was having an MVP type year that year. He was very happy to be out of LA. It seemed like to just be in Detroit, kind of under the radar, fighting for a playoff spot, not in the spotlight. So to that end, I say that because. If that's what he wants, he just wants to be somewhere where he's going to work hard, fight for a playoff spot, go a little bit under the radar. Miami's more of that than Brooklyn. Okay, you go to Brooklyn, you're in the spotlight for the rest of your time in Brooklyn, the way it is now. Absolutely. Definitely a high profile, which, depending on what you're trying to do after basketball, could be a good thing. That's true. I think, Blake, that's a talented dude off the court. I think after basketball... Blake Griffin's going to be fine. What he, if he decides to go into acting and comedy and all that stuff, he's a pretty talented dude. So I think he'll be all right. But I think his goal right now is I just, he probably, like most guys at, for what he's done, he probably wants to win, man. He's been in purgatory up there in Detroit for a while and they paid him a lot of money. So good for him. He's getting his, he's set for life as, as long as he takes care of his money. But now it's time to win. Now, the interesting one for him, if he doesn't stay in the Eastern Conference, if he gets bought out, which I, I would imagine based on the mutual agreement, he's getting bought out. Um, sure. I, I think he would be interesting for the Lakers because of the Anthony Davis situation. I also think the the great one of the great full circle stories we could ever see would be if he went to the Clippers and won a title with them. That would be unbelievable. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think him and Balmer get along very well. Um, I actually think he has said some things about that owner that I, don't, I think they would have to probably have a mending of the fence. A, a Dan Gilbert, LeBron James type of moment. Yeah, yeah. And after everything that – Because went, because it can't be worse than that. It can't be worse than that. No, it's not. Well, he wasn't – I mean, they – I mean, they, they Balmer bought the team and then basically shipped Blake out. So I think that's yeah. part of where the whole thing kind of – Blake, I think there's, I think there's. Blake uh, still got his money though. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I think so there is, um, there's an era of player in that from that team that went through a lot, right? With the with the stuff with um, Sterling, right? And I mm-hmm. think, I think there was probably part of Blake where it was like, man, I I wrote it out with this team, I dealt with all this shit, and then I want to retire here probably. And and then you come in and then you say, all right, thanks for nothing, you know. See ya. So I think there was some of that. So I don't see him going back there. I'd love to see him on. I, I for the for the vet minimum. Listen, there it is. We just solved it. All right, Pat. I know you, Pat. <laughs> now that Norris Cole ha, is a, is hosting the show, Pat's listening. Pat, let's go get John Collins. Let's get go to the buyout market. Let's go get Blake Griffin. We're good. We're back. That's that's it right there. And while you at it, bring me back too. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Hey, when, when Tyler's out, we're going to need another guard. We need a guard. Bring There, there we go. Um, 
man, what are they going to do in the Euro League without you? Come on, man. You guys are rolling. <laughs> you guys are rolling right now. You guys are rolling. No, right. I'm not talking about this year. This year, I'm, I'm, I'm riding it out with my squad. Okay, there we go. Sure. Yeah. Now nah, we got some good things rolling here. <laughs> yeah. No, hey, look, I would love it selfishly if you went back because then we'd have a current Heat player hosting the podcast. And there you go. There's much better than that. Hey, hey anything's possible. It's one thing I know. Absolutely. Never shut the door. Anything is possible. Hey, I'm looking at Norris right now. I know Norris is ready to go. I see him. Norris, Norris is Norris in the gym. Norris is working, grinding out there in France. Look, he's sure. doing a podcast at he's doing a podcast at twelve fifty in the morning to talk to the Heat Nation. You know he's absolutely. committed. Um, the nation's been very good to me. So yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, last couple things, and these are not Heat related, but they they are league related, and I wanted to get your thoughts on them as a former player, as a former NBA player. Um, first is the Anthony Davis situation, which is we I sort of alluded to it. Uh, he's out now. He's out at least two to three weeks. Uh, he he had a non-contact injury against the Nuggets. Uh, he re-aggravated an issue that he's had with his Achilles. They call it Achilles tendinosis, uh, which is uh, worse than tendinitis because it's a chronic issue. Mm. Now he's out two to three weeks. He's going to be reevaluated, and they're saying it's he re-aggravated the Achilles tendinosis, and he has a calf strain. Um, on the same leg saying they strained the calf that he had yes yeah and, and i'm glad you they, said that they go, they go hand in hand when your yeah. achilles is tight it puts more pressure on the calf and vice versa when the calf is tight the achilles has to absorb have you ever rock. had an achilles issue uh let me knock on some wood around here oh sorry sorry <laughs> no yeah, i'm knocking too no. no okay um i'd say i've never had a tear when, or anything i've had a I've strain had, i've had a strain and it's i I can't even imagine a tear because the strain, I wanted to cry. It was the worst. <laughs> now, I, from everyone who I've heard about who's been injured, they say that's, that's one, that's the worst one. And it's the most, like it's the most painful one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what makes on another thing. That's what makes Kevin Durant this year. Just un- incredible what he's doing, like just coming back and doing what he's yeah. doing. But I will, so from the Anthony Davis thing, it does concern me that this is a chronic thing because he hasn't looked good this year. Um, I think if Anthony Davis is not a hundred percent, the NBA is wide open again. It, it definitely is wide open. No question about it. And it also makes it a team out East, a couple teams out East has a higher chance of winning. If oh. the Lakers are not in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this God, I, I I hate to even say it because it's it just like, but this the the sound of this injury, chronic uh, Achilles, you know. Yeah, I don't even like talking about it, but yeah, it's it just sounds like something that's going to be way more than three weeks. Let's just take it one day, one week at a time. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he's resting. Hopefully the treatment that that's you know happening, um, hopefully it works out for him. Hopefully they're keeping his calves and his quads and his, you know, everything that supports you know that's connected to the Achilles. They keeping that, you know, loose and activated. Um, yeah. You just have to hope for the best, man. He's a star in this league and the league is better, you know, when AD is healthy, that's for yeah. sure. I think I'm interested what you think, cause you played on a team that everyone was sort of chasing. Mm-hmm. 
do you think the league's better when there's that one team that everyone's going after? Or do you think it's better when it's kind of unknown, which is rare. It doesn't happen often. Like last year, cause the Warriors sort of dissolved and there was the injuries. Right, and stuff. Right, right. Last year was the first time in a long time where it was like, we don't know what's going to happen this year. Now this year it's like, all right, Lakers are going to be in the finals and then we'll see who they play in the East. But if there's no AD, then it's all kind of, do you, I, I kind of think the league's better when there is that, like that team that everyone's like, we, we gotta, we gotta get these guys. We gotta be the ones to knock these guys off. Yeah. I, I think it's both. Um, if, if it's a bunch of high level teams and we don't know, that's a good thing. Now, if there's a bunch of not so good teams that we have okay. to guess with, then that could be like, Oh man. But I think with the state of the league right now, they're about, if the Lakers are not a hundred percent, there are about six teams that could legitimately win the title. You have the Brooklyn Nets, you have Philadelphia, and then on a lower scale you have Milwaukee. And then in the okay. West, you in the West you have Utah, you have Denver, you have the Clippers, you even have Portland. Yep, Phoenix. So, and I I don't know about Phoenix yet. They got to show good, me man. more. They're, they're young. Good. They're good. Yeah, young. Most young teams are. You know, when they get that veteran like Chris yeah, Paul, yeah. they they're good in the regular season. We got to see. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I remember Denver, Denver, and Utah, and Portland, and Clippers are all battle tested in the postseason. Right, that's true. And so, so I, I like with the Lakers not being one hundred percent. I like those teams that I just mentioned. Their chances, they have a legit chance of winning the championship. Absolutely, and even at least right now, because of the way both teams are playing, to a lo- lower extent in the East, you have Boston and Miami. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? I forgot about Boston. Because you have Miami obviously struggling, but went to the finals last year if they can get it together. And then right. Boston, who they're playing terrible, but they got the pieces. I mean, they got two studs, right? They got two all NBA players. So that's that's the formula. They just got to figure out everything else around them. Once I feel like once Kimba, if Kimba gets back right, I'm not sure what's going on with his knee or whatever. But well, Tatum, too, dude. Back- Did you see what Tatum said today? What he, he said, say? he said that he thinks that he's not still fully recovered from COVID and that he thinks he gets tired easier since he's had COVID. That was, uh, listen, that's a very true statement. Yeah. Because I've seen athletes, you know, it reacts differently, but I've seen athletes, it takes, you know, one or two months after you've already been cleared of COVID to get back your lungs and your strength back to where they once were. Mm -hmm. So I can believe him when he said that. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, he said like getting up and down the court, he gets tired easier. So that'll be something to monitor with them too. Cause obviously he's the catalyst, him and Jalen. Uh, they really they need Kimball. They, they got to have Kimball. They got to yeah. have that and, third guy. And Marcus Smart. They've been really struggling since Marcus Smart's been out. Like they need everybody pretty much. They're very much not like, they're not deep. They got a lot of young guys coming off their bench right now. Mm-hmm. So if any of their really top four guys and four being Marcus Smart, if any of them are right. not right, they, they're, but if they're right, they're pretty they damn talented. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, okay. So the last thing I wanted to finish up with this, because I think this topic to me is fascinating and I love, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm actually really passionate about it. And I think as a player, uh, I'd, I'd be int- very interested to hear your perspective. So yesterday, after the Warriors, it was during media availability. I don't know if it was after the game or just their regular availability. Draymond Green was answering a question 
And I guess he was asked about uh, something involving Drummond and players request. Like, uh, no, he wasn't even asked a question, bro. He just he went just off. came in there and said, "Listen, there's something that's been bothering me that I want to talk about." And he oh. got straight. Okay, so I missed that. All I saw was the clip of him talking. I didn't know what prefaced it. No, nah, he just came right in the press conference and had something on his mind. And he let him and he let him know. How about you share? How about you share? Yeah, quick? I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna play it and then we can sort of talk about it real quick. It's pretty long, but I think it's good to play the whole thing, right? Yeah. Play we'll it about halfway. Yeah, if you if you you let me know if you're if you if you're good, then just we can cut it. All right. Before the game, to watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bull. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for wanting to go to a different team, and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy, and then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer, and he's not good in someone's locker room, and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you, and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, his career is on the line. So he went on for another minute. Um, yeah. And one other thing that he said in there was, that I mentioned to you before, was he mentioned how um, – People talk a lot about how a player can't get it, but they don't talk enough. They don't ever talk about how the organization just doesn't get it or like how a player can't develop, but an organization can't develop their players. Or yeah, go play that part. You might need to play that so we can hear that part. Okay, let me. About let me what he said about the team. Can. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this. You can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond is getting traded publicly and we're looking to trade him publicly and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, Everybody go crazy about that, too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night, and most importantly, to help your team win, do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can? It goes along the same lines of when 
when everyone wants to say, oh man, that young guy can't figure it out, but no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, players must be respected in these situations Mm -hmm. and it's ridiculous and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. That part, that part hit me in my heart right there. Yeah, that last, that last part really resonates. Um, he's so, he, there's. He's very he, animated. <laughs> he's, I mean, animated. He's, he's Draymond. This is just what he is. And he's not yeah. always. He, Politically correct. Not always going to agree with everything he says, but a lot of the things he says in here, at least in my opinion, he kind of nails it. Well, I want two things. One, no matter what, it's never okay to be unprofessional. This is what we signed up for. This is the business of basketball. Always, always remain professional, no matter what. It's never okay to be unprofessional because it's not about the team. It's not about anybody. Being professional is about you as a person and in your integrity. So no matter what happens, you should always be professional for you. Forget about anybody else. You do that for you and for yourself, for your family, you know, for your dignity and everything else. Second part, though. It's not equal. <laughs> it's not equal. You know, players and the organization are not equal. It's not always right, but that's just the bottom line. That's just how the league goes. And so if you have an asset, say, for instance, you have a Rolls Royce in your garage and you know someone wants to sell it for a top. I mean, you want to sell it and you know you have a you have a couple buyers that will buy it at top top price you're not going to drive that Rolls Royce you're going to keep it parked right there because you don't want to take a risk and drive it and then something happened to it you know and that's you know and it's the same thing the teams do in the NBA they have an asset because they look at us as assets not as players that's just the that's just the bottom line they have right. an asset that's worth something they know they have potential suitors buyers they don't want to risk messing that up and so it's not fair. It's not equal, but that's what we signed up for. But one thing Draymond is right about, and that is the way it's perceived. Now that's a whole different yeah. monster because we have to be professional. Teams are going to do what they have to do to protect the assets as players. And I hate saying assets because we're human beings. We're not assets. We're players. I was thinking, about, I think about that all the time too. Cause yeah, but that's how they like, look at yeah. assets. That's just mm-hmm. a fact. And so you're the product. It's to, the pro like the product is the, like it's tough because it's like right the the the, the product Where's sells tickets and the exactly. product is the game and the game is the players so the players are the product it's like this weird circle yeah yeah there. I hate saying that but Draymond was right about one thing media members podcast members like ourselves mm-hmm. and you know other platforms when you criticize players for for doing the same thing teams do all Draymond is saying is keep the same energy when the organizations mess up mm-hmm. or when the organizations mess up, you don't say nothing. So when a player wants his way out or demands a trade or has mental health issues over certain situations in this profession, don't say nothing about them either. That's all he's asking for. He's saying, if you're going to be tough on the players, be tough on the organizations too, yep. from a, yep. from a media perspective. And I believe that he's right about that because there's a lot of franchises that, that hasn't got it right for a long time. Yeah. That part that, and yeah. And I think, it's tough because Draymond comes off a lot of times when he talks as abrasive to people right. because he's loud and 
And on the court, he hasn't done himself any favors with, he gets teed up all the time and he kicks guys in the balls and that type of thing. And he, he right. his reputation, he, of course, yeah, but he, his reputation, I think kind of, he's, he has built this persona of himself that whether some people love him, some people hate him. And right. so when he goes on a rant like this, it's easy for people to pick the parts where it's like, well, well, no teams get to choose that thing too. That's not his right. point. You have to, like you just did, you have to read through what he's saying. And what he's saying is, is players have the right to say, I don't want to play in this place anymore. As a team, you have a right to say, well, you signed a contract. We're not trading you. Okay. That's what it is. Uh, a player shouldn't get crucified for voicing an opinion about his life because at the end of the day, the way you don't like, like you don't like saying commodities or assets or, or product or that, like I, th- this fan, there's a media thing and a fan thing where if they, if you haven't been close to the game before, you tend to look at it like well, this guy's getting paid X millions of dollars. Right. So he doesn't have a right to complain, but life, that's, it's that's, still, and that's not true. Life don't work like that. Right. You, he doesn't have a, how could he be unhappy? Give me $20 million. I'll be happy. No, no, that's not the way the world works, man. It's not the way the world works. And he's so right about it's, it is, it is a, it is an unfair double standard, double standard, standard. that a team can just blatantly say, Hey, we're not playing. Like all Andre Drummond wants to do is play basketball. And they're saying, no, you're not playing for us and we're going to trade you. So sit and you're not playing, you know, and they can say, I want to trade you. But if a player says that they're a cancer, a whole the whole different right. response, they're unprofessional. They're not loyal, the loyal and the loyalty thing. Oh God, dude. Loyalty is just look, there's no such thing. Hey, clear. To, there's no such thing as loyalty in professional sports. Oh my, thank you. I'm glad you say that. Cause I have another, I do another show and I say it all the time. Loyalty is there is no lo- you look, if you choose to be loyal, Cool, that's great. But yeah, when you pay up, when you play a player what he believes he's worth and he agrees to contract, that's as loyal as it gets. But guess what? If somebody else, <laughs> if you decide that he's not playing that great anymore, guess what you're gonna do? That loyalty is no longer there from the team. And I'll tell you what, in fact, I would I would go even further as to say if you are a loyal player in professional sports, you're probably hurting yourself because they're there because the loyalty. And, and there are certain guys in the NBA right now that probably are a little too loyal for their own good and may never win and get to the level they want to be at because they want to be loyal to their situation. That's great. But loyalty in professional sports doesn't really mix. It's a business, man. It's the business. But I, and now, I, I'm okay with guys just staying with their organization. They, they sign the contract and they say, this is my word. I'm going to honor my contract. I'm all for that as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm also for um, – um, I, I changed my mind the same way teams do. I changed my mind. I want to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that there shouldn't be a double standard or, or even, I mean, not even in the middle of a contract guys get killed for playing out their contract, being in a place for eight years and then saying, I gave it everything I, I had. I'm leaving. Like, for yes. example, like, for example, me and you, if Damian Lillard left Portland, to go try to win a championship somewhere. We'd both be like, Hey, good for Dame. But people, but nine good years. Yeah. (laughs) But everyone else would be like, Dame, not look at, look at everything that organization did for Dame. Like Dame couldn't do it. Ken couldn't, you know, that would be the narrative. The narrative to Dame would be, 
oh, he's leaving them high and dry after all these years. When it's just like, yo, guys, got you have to do what's best for you in your life. I mean, your situation and the mental health thing. He's right too. Like, I'm, I'm, will always admit I'm not a huge Kyrie fan. I've never been a huge Kyrie fan, but mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing earlier this year, all I thought was. I just hope he's okay. Right. Because it didn't seem like he was okay. And I just wanted him to like, I'm not a big fan of his, I've never been a fan of of him necessarily, but I don't care. I'm not going to like bash him for having mental health issues. And I, in fact, I respect him for publicly coming out and saying I'm taking break because I have mental health. There's I've mental stuff going. Cause there's a lot of guys who probably have the same shit and they just don't, they can't do it. Like they, they they're afraid of their situation. It's one thing to have mental health. What's another thing to how he handled it? I don't agree with how he handled it, but yeah. but it is but it is something to be said that situations like the pressure and the being traded and hearing rumors and stuff like that, like Draymond said, that affects you mentally heavily. Yeah. I went through. I remember the first time I was traded, and I remember the first time, you know, I I was in an uncomfortable situation or I heard rumors of things like that. Man, it's very uncomfortable. Even as a player who's making money, like it's very, very uncomfortable mentally. Cause you, it's not just you. You think about it. you have a family and everything. When you, when these players leave, they don't just leave by themselves. They have whole families that have to adjust their life. Yep. And situation is everything. Like where you are is almost as important as how talented you are sometimes. Because, like for example, you or anybody really, like you could be playing for a team and be playing really well. And then you go get traded to another team where you just don't fit. And then you're out of the league in a couple of years. And, and now you can't provide for your family. That happens a lot. Yeah. So that happens a whole lot. Iron. Right, well, this was a great conversation. We went a little longer than we normally do, but I, I really like this conversation. I thought it, his, that his comments were interesting. I, I and I, I love, I, I love getting your perspective on it. So, um, Hey man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for this. <laughs> Norris Colt. And his co-host, Joey Levin, believe in Miami Heat going forward. We'll be back next Tuesday. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, Norris, you want to take us home? You got it to the people? Heat Nation. Let's go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.